Spirit 88.9 FM, we are Catholic Radio for the Christian Community. Good morning, welcome to Spirit Mornings. I'm Bruce McGregor with... Chris McGregor. Today joined by Bert Gezi, author of 17 books, including The Sign of the Cross, The Voices of the Saints, and Sacred Passages, Bringing the Sacraments to Life. Bert has a Ph.D. from the University of Notre Dame. He and his wife, Mary Lou, reside down in Florida in Winter Park, and uh, we found out have 12 grandchildren. And we're going to be talking with Bert today about St. Dominic from his book uh, published several years ago called Mystics and Miracles, True Stories of Lives Touched by God. Bert, good morning, and again, welcome to the program. We're delighted to have you here. Oh, it's, I'm very happy to be back. Thank you for inviting me. Bert, if you don't mind, I'd also like to put in one special Dominican priest who is also a saint in this conversation about St. Dominic. I think it goes to show us how St. Dominic's legacy just continued to flow even after his death. And that would be St. Vincent Ferrer. Yes. I mean, he's a remarkable saint. Uh, yes, well, you've been, yes, you've picked two of my favorites, so I'm happy to talk about either of them. Well, a wonderful thing for me with St. Dominic was he was my patron saint for confirmation. Mm-hmm. So you imagine call that? you Dom, huh? Yeah, he's a favorite of mine. Okay. Yeah, that's Dom, not dumb. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for, uh, but anyway, uh, I, did you know, Bruce, that St. Dominic was known for being a great preacher? Certainly did. Yes, and that that is one of the you know the real contributions that he he made uh, to the whole uh, to our whole uh, Catholic life. He discovered that uh, in his uh, in his work with the Albigensians, and you know, in the, uh, shortly after he uh, was ordained, that uh, his preaching was very effective in winning back Catholics from this false religion that had dominated southern France, and it was his vision. Uh, to build a community of, of men and a community of women, uh, who, communities of men and women, the men of whom would be trained in theology and be gifted in preaching, and uh, when the women were gifted and also concerned about education. So that in terms of what he's contributed to the Catholic life, uh, preaching, community, and education are some of the main things that he's, he's given us. Right. It's a remarkable life, and as you point out so beautifully in Mystics and Miracles, the true stories of lives touched by God, Dominic's beginnings, of course, there was a strong woman, and that would be his mother. Right, his mother. And, you know, I don't, there's, there's not a lot of details about how his mom helped him be formed, but as a very young boy, seven years old, well, young for us, but probably in those days, it was uh, age didn't mean as much. He was put under the care of an uncle who was a priest, and by the time he was... 14, he was enrolled in uh, a college at Palencia, and in six years he had already, you know, been uh, trained to uh, uh, in philosophy and was already, you know, on his way. Let's put this in context of the time and the period. He was born in 1170, so by the time he went through most of his early formation, this would have been right around the turn of the century into the 1200s. Right. Thirteenth century, which mm-hmm. was a really high, a high point in Catholic life, you know, with uh, the with people like Dominic and Francis and uh, the, you know Pope Innocent III and all the you know, a lot of great things happened in that century. He grew up in an area that is now Spain. Correct, in Castile. Mm-hmm. There was, as you pointed out, a great heresy that was just thriving like wildfire in the church at the time. Albigensianism was a, a, a another religion that was basically a a, a you know a religion that was a dualism. Everything material was evil. Everything spiritual was good. They believed that uh, sexual intercourse was evil because everything material was bad. So 
they, and they also believed in, in, in the value of suicide mm. because the body was bad and the spirit was good. Je- Jesus wasn't even believed to have been uh, a human being because human being uh, everything material was bad. So there was a very serious uh, movement, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the Church was trying to win back Catholics who were seduced into it, but they weren't doing a very good job until Dominic came around and his... Uh, and Bishop Diego of Osma, because he it was his patron, because they uh, apparently the Albigensians were admired in southern France, because the leaders were very moral, very strict, very uh, disciplined, and they were you know and they had strong communities, and that was a, they were very attractive to people, but the people, the priests and leaders who were trying to evangelize Catholics back were wealthy and luxurious, and they weren't very disciplined, and there were no communities. So Dominic observed this on a visit to Languedoc with uh, Diego, who became, who was his bishop, and decided that uh, they needed to change the approach, and the approach needed to be that the uh, preachers who were winning back the Catholics who had been seduced into Albigensianism needed to be, you know, disciplined, they needed to be mortifying themselves, they needed to be living in a, state, a kind of poverty, and he also wanted to build communities, uh, especially of women, mm-hmm. uh, because he thought that the, uh, that would be it, because the Abigensians used communities of women to uh, run schools. So what Dominic wanted to do was to have communities of women, of women who would run schools for girls and win them back from uh, from their from the heresies. Right. And uh, Bert, there were of course a lot of miracles associated with Dominic throughout his life. But one, I think, one of the more interesting ones in 1206, along with Diego, uh, was the the series of uh, disputations that they had with some of the Albigensian leaders that ended in both manuscripts being prepared. In other words, make your argument, and uh, the judges couldn't or wouldn't decide on it at that point. So they decided on a trial by fire. Can you share that story with yes. us? Yes. Well, it's an interesting story. Uh, in that the Albigensians agreed that if uh, they, they had a debate, and the debate was inconclusive, and there were two documents, one prepared by the Albigensian leader, one by uh, by Dominic. Uh, and uh, the, ju- the agreement was that whoever wins the debate, uh, if the Albigensians lose, they become come back into the church. Uh, and but at the end of the debate, it was uh, the judges refused to decide except by fire, so they. For three three times, one after the other, they threw both documents into the fire, and the Albigensian one was consumed, and and the one by Dominic was not. It was thrown out of the fire hole, and so uh, even though uh, even at that though, even though the crowd around was you know impressed and mm-hmm. favorably, uh, the judges refused to decide, and the Albigensians refused to uh, uh, acquiesce and, and uh, accept the Catholic teaching. And it also persuaded Dominic that you know this particular approach debating was not the way, right. mm-hmm. not the way to win. The way was by love and by gen- by preaching and by, you know, by showing concern and by uh, winning people, uh, and by also demonstrating the brotherhood and sisterhood and community, which is why he moved the direction that he moved. Right, and also organizing schools and, and places of learning too. Right, he organized the uh, he orga- he wanted to organize. You no, know, a lot of these things. We look back in the hindsight. Our, our hindsight says that things were much more organized. But you know, when when Dominic was working, you know, he's following the spirit. He's doing what he can do, and things are. He, you know, he wasn't he wasn't imagining he was going to form form this religious order of Dominican priests and the orders of nuns. That he was doing what he could 
to spread the gospel and rescue people from false teaching. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence, he built something that the the Holy Spirit had him built something that had a permanent effect on our our lives. The Dominicans are a wonderful community, uh, both the nuns and the priests. I admire them a lot, and they and they carry on, you know, the idealism and the uh, fidelity and the obedience to the gospel that uh, typified uh, Dominic himself. I was uh, taught by Dominicans when I was in grade school, starting in kindergarten right on through grade school. And matter of fact, I had a convent right on the other side of a fence from our backyard. So. <laughs> oh, I have some Dominican, of course, some friends are Dominicans, and I, just, and I really admire them. Yep. And as you said earlier, the thing that Dominic was so wise in is that he took a look and essentially said, why is it that Albigenians are able to flourish? What is it that they do, and how can we do it but do it better? Right. He was observing. You know, that's one thing that we should learn. About, you know, he was observing the culture and the society and the situation, and applying the truth of the gospel and the whole approach of Christ to his situation. Well, we now live in an, an environment that's very different from his, of course. Mm-hmm. And the wisdom that we can take from Dominic is okay. Let's look at what's happening and figure out how we can win people from our, our worldly culture into believing in Jesus. And there, there needs to be, especially with the new evangelization, there needs to be new and creative ways of doing that. We have to figure out how to use radio, mm-hmm. Internet, uh, and one-on-one evangelism in a way that uh, Catholics need to learn to do. Right. Uh, and I think he also uh, was a good example of not being discouraged if at first you try to take up and and move a project forward. Don't be discouraged if someone says no the first time. Because, I, if, as you point out, he went to the Pope and the Pope said no. And then God touched the heart of the Pope through uh, dreams and right. that sort of things. He needed to get, you know, authorization from the Pope. But the, uh, at the time, the uh, in 1215, the Fourth Lateran Council decided there should not be a proliferation of religious orders, and so the Pope uh, at the time said, no, we can't uh, have you do that. But then he had a vision in which he saw uh, like the Lateran Cathedral collapsing and, and uh, Dominic holding it up, and he decided to tell him, okay, here's a way to skirt around the issue instead of forming a new uh, constitution, have your brothers adopt an, uh, one that already exists. And so they adopted the Augustinian Constitution, and, and you know, we're able to provide a, a way for the uh, uh, community of men and women to be formed. Right. And then in another vision uh, from Dominic himself, of course, uh, he was shown a couple of figures, and, and this would help him intersect with another great saint. Yes, he was in Rome, and he had a vision uh, that he w- uh, in the cathedral. He w- saw himself and uh, another uh, figure, uh, you know, pr- uh, holding up the church and, you know, strengthening the church together, and Next day, he saw this uh, pretty uh, shabby-looking character who was Francis of Assisi, and they, <laughs> they they met each other. Really, so I don't know how long, how much communication they had after that, but they certainly met each other. Right. A fascinating time in the church when you think of you know here is Saint Dominic and Saint Francis, right? And how it, the Spirit just worked through them to really reform and revitalize the church. One of the things I, I like as I reflect on both of them is you know neither of them set out to create the Franciscans or the Dominicans or do what they did. They set out simply to follow the Spirit and obey the Gospel and do what they could do. And and the, what I, what's exciting about it is how one or one person who decides to be radically committed to the Lord and to the Gospel can, you know, and just through their life 
daily make a decision to obey the Lord and follow Him and end up producing something so significant that they never dreamed they'd be doing. Ignatius mm-hmm. of Loyola was the same way. I mean, a lot, of course, all the saints were, were like that. They, they didn't think they were doing anything very big. They were following what God led them to do day by day, and they ended up producing something wonderful. Mother Teresa in our own time, I think, was the same way. Right. Another Dominican that would live, what, about 150 years later, or be born 150 years later, would be St. Vincent Ferrer. Mm-hmm. Yes, another very interesting character. Interestingly enough, he is the patron of builders, <laughs> but not because he was a great architect. Vincent was a very gifted person, mm-hmm. uh, a brilliant uh, academic, academically, uh, and and you know, as a very young man, he was in uh, he was teaching philosophy in Barcelona, and Barcelona ha- was uh, having a, a drought and a famine. And uh, he gathered 20,000 people in the square and told them, prophesied that that day, if they prayed and repented, that ships would come in with, uh, with grain. To, to, and uh, he was mocked because the weather was so bad, they figured, you know, no ships are going to arrive. But uh, he prophesied it, and uh, two ships came in. Mm-hmm. Came a big hero, but, uh, as a, but because of the buzz he created, his superiors forbade him to use his charismatic prophetic gifts without permission. And shortly after, the story goes that uh, he was walking through the city and a uh, mason at the top of a building began to fall and cried for help. And he said, stay right there. Commanded him to stay in midair. And uh, I have to get permission to let you come down. (laughs) 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 He went to his superior and said, "Uh, there's a mason uh, hanging off of a building up there about the fall, and he called for help, and I told him to stay there until I got permission to to rescue him. And, they built, and the superior said, he's waiting in midair? And that's right. Well, go let him down. So he let him down. Uh, you know, A wise choice. Uh-huh. Yes. And, uh, but, you know, he, he actually, you know, um, he wasn't, he, he was, he's known, he's known for a lot of things, but he's, he, uh, you know, he his life was marked with many miracles. He, he was once asked, how many do you think you work? He said, probably 3,000, he said humbly. But the church tracked down 873 of them when they canonized him, so that wow. they were demonstrate, demonstrable miracles. But yeah. he, he was a theologian and a philosopher, a great teacher, preacher. Uh, but he, you know, he, he's also uh, very close to high-level figures, kings and popes. You know that the year he was ordained at age 28, in 1378, in the 14th century, that's when the great Western schism broke out where two men claimed to be Pope, one in Rome and one in Avignon in France. Right. Mm. And uh, Vincent, of course, was... Uh, and this is very very curious because Vincent Ferrer uh, supported the Avignon popes, and uh, Catherine of Siena supported the Roman popes, I mean, so the two great saints of the time uh, were supporting different people. I mean, it was a very confusing time for the whole Church. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vincent used his influence to try to get the Avignon popes to cooperate with the councils that were trying to restore unity. And uh, finally, back in the turn, after the 14th century turned, he he used his influence to, to pressure... Uh, the popular world to re- to remove their support from the Avignon Pope, uh, who was his friend, mm-hmm. uh, Peter 
you know, who became, uh, his name was Peter DeLuna, uh, and finally the, he was forced to resign in the council in 1414, chose a new pope. But, uh, but you know, but, but Vincent was spending his time after 1399 uh, coursing throughout Europe four times, uh, preaching and healing. In 1399, he was very sick, worn down by, I think, by the great confusion the system had caused. Mm-hmm. Jesus appeared to him on the sickbed and with Francis and Dominic and told him they wanted him to get better and preach, the God, preach repentance in the same way that Francis and Dominic had done. And he prayed for Jesus touched him, and he got better. And he got permission, got uh, sealed by the Pope with a permission to preach everywhere. And he went all over the European world uh, with thousands of people following him, healing people and preaching the gospel, preaching repentance, and also preaching that the end of the world was coming soon, like many people before him had. Amazing guy. I, right. I, I didn't like him when I only knew him vaguely, but the more I read about him, the more I came to admire him and love him. You know, he lived in a time when there was a, the Hundred Years' War with the bubonic plague and the Great Western Schism, mm-hmm. and so he, he was calling people to repent at a time of great, of great difficulty in, in, the, in the European world. When there's such great distress and it can be seen manifested in the hierarchy of the Church, I have come to see, and I don't know, you tell me if I'm correct in my, in my assessment of this, Bert, but there usually is, it's a, it's a time in which the entire body of the church, and us included lady, need to hear that message of repentance because it's usually a time of turmoil. It's not that it trickles down from on top. I think somehow it, it emanates from uh, the lower ends and rises up. And so the whole church is in a state of need to hear good preaching and to, to repent and return to the good news. Right, this is a time, I think, uh, you know, with all the tr- what's going on in our world, it's so confusing. You know, with, with uh, you know, the, with the pa- with the pandemic of AIDS and with the uh, de- with the you know with the war in the Middle East and all that's going on. It's a time that all Christians, not just Catholics, but all of us, should be on uh, you know humbling ourselves before the Lord and repenting of our sins and begging Him for mercy. Mm-hmm. We need Saint Vincent Ferrer's now too. We have them too. There are people. There are a lot of people out there that, you know, we wouldn't uh, recognize them uh, with the same dimension of greatness as Vincent, but there are people out there proclaiming repentance, and I, I you know, I think it's a, a very responsible and important ministry. The thing about Dominic and Vincent is really their persistence, their perseverance, no matter what, just continuing on keeping their eyes eyes on Jesus Christ. Well, see, radio ministry requires the same thing. You know, I'm sure you meet obstacles in your work, and I meet obstacles in mine. And, mm-hmm. uh, we don't have the same scale of ministry that Dominic and, and uh, Vincent did, but we have to persist in, what we're, in, in our obedience to the Lord as well. Well, if we can just encourage that person out there who is the future Vincent and the future Dominic <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. to persevere, then I think we've accomplished a lot. I yes, ask them to uh, to just day by day, like they did, do whatever the Lord tells them to do. You know, that's what we should all be doing. And generally uh, continue to preach about the folly of sin. That was uh, his real strength. That's right. All right. Well, Bird, we want to thank you so much for spending time to break open two of these wonderful saints in the Catholic Church, St. Dominic and St. Vincent Ferrer. 
Um, and we look forward to future conversations with you, too, as we well, come I'm, across the other saints. Anytime you, you like, I'll be glad to come back. All right. And uh, this, of course, from uh, Bert's book, Mystics and Miracles. True stories of lives that touched by God. That's right. You know, sometimes when there's such great information, you just have to hear it again and again to be able to absorb it all. Be sure to stop at kvss.com and look up uh, Bert Gezi's archived interview, especially of this one and uh, the past one, oh, on the, the sign of the cross. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that one. So uh, we look forward to having you back again, Bert, very soon. I'll be glad to come back. Thanks for having me.